The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. This is Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you had a good 4th of July week. We were talking with our friends at Lantern Rescue on Friday about uh, trafficking, human trafficking, child sex trafficking, that whole mess. And we uh, spoke briefly about... Uh, Sound of Freedom, which opened last week on the 4th of July with Jim Caviezel, uh, based on a true story, and uh, $40 million, That's where it's at so far. They've already passed their budget. So that's great. So if you have not seen Sound of Freedom, you should definitely do that. Very, very powerful. Not the easiest thing to watch, especially the first 30 minutes. But Jim Caviezel is excellent, as always. <clears throat> now the, uh, the liberals are trying to tie the, that movie to QAnon, which I'm like, uh, what? How do you? Why would liberals and progressives attack a movie that sheds light on human trafficking and especially child sex trafficking? Progressives and liberals are supposed to be we're we're pro pro up with people. We're for kids. We're for families. We're right. Mm-hmm. Wrong. So there's that. Go see that. Sound of Freedom. I've th- I've got a bunch of other stories I'm going to get to, but this one's this 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 uh, just the headline here. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Rules for me, rules for thee, but not for me. We'll file it under that. This is just funny to me. I saw this one. I heard about it the other day, but then I saw this headline. I'm thinking, this is just, this is like a joke and the punchline all in one. Ben and Jerry's says that the U.S. needs to give back stolen land. Right. And they were talking, starting with uh, Mount Rushmore. Ben and Jerry's says U.S. needs to give back stolen land, period. Next sentence. Native American chief says company's headquarters is on native land. <laughs> Where do you think that's going to go? <clears throat> oh, that would be, oh, let me use my Joe Biden voice. Oh, that would be nowhere. Days after progressive ice cream company, Ben and Jerry <laughs> called on the U.S. to return stolen indigenous land. A Native American chief said the company's headquarters located in South Burlington, Vermont, is sitting on Western Abenaki land. Chief Don Stevens, chief of the Nolhagen Band of the Kusik Abenaki Nation, told the New York Post in an interview, quote, if you look at the Abenaki traditional way of being, we are place-based people. Before recognized tribes in the state, we were the ones who were in this place. The chief said that he looks forward to any kind of correspondence with the brand to see how they can better benefit indigenous peoples. <laughs> Do you think the multimillionaire Ben and Jerry's guys will pick up and uh, demolish their building. Maybe they'll offer it to the chief and his people, the Abenaki Nation. Uh, but I doubt it. I think a bowl of Ben and Jerry's ice cream has a better chance of surviving in H-E double hockey sticks than this happening. Rules for thee, but not for me. This is what they said. 
What is the meaning of Independence Day for those whose land this country stole? Those who were murdered and forced with brutal violence onto reservations. Those who were pushed from their holy places and denied their freedom. The faces on Mount Rushmore are the faces of men who actively work to destroy indigenous cultures and ways of life, to deny indigenous people their basic rights. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay, so the Ben and Jerry's. Right, well, I'll listen to you when you uh, abandon your headquarters and give it to the people of the Abenaki Nation, which we all know is not going to happen. So do as I say, not as I do, right? Okay, so setting those aside. Uh, a few Joe Biden stories. Now, I, I printed another article. I haven't had time to read it yet. It was in the Hill. I'm going to do that. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow. When is the optimal time for Biden to drop out of the race? Here's just the opening paragraph. Like a magician setting up a trick in one hand while distracting the audience with the other. The Biden White House and its allies are desperately trying to distract the attention of the American people from President Biden's age, his obvious frailty, and his increasing verbal and mental gaffes. It's now gotten to the point where I have had a number of Democrats, including staunch supporters of the president, tell me it makes them nervous, uncomfortable, sad, or gives them a feeling of foreboding. Anytime they watch President Biden speak in public, interact with guests, or walks up or down the stairs to Air Force One. <laughs> no problems there. And then uh, uh, the new king of England today, when uh, President Biden arrived there at Windsor Palace, uh, the king was having to show him where to walk. And then he was, uh, then they were whisking him over to a, I think it was a NATO meeting. And uh, there was an interview or something going on, and he's just kind of, you know, because he, he just can't handle it. He's just kind of staring off into space because he's not there, right? He's Chauncey Gardner, which you might need to look that reference up. Okay, so this is where it gets dangerous, the president's rapidly declining mental uh, ability. Biden blasted for revealing sensitive U.S. military info during an interview. Did you hear about this one? So he's talking to CNN's Fareed Zakaria and talking about uh, they're going to be sending cluster musician, munitions, which about 150 countries on the planet have outlawed those. Cluster munitions. And uh, he's like, uh, okay, why are we sending them those? Okay, so that's where Fareed is going to go here. These are weapons that 100 nations banned, including some of our closest NATO allies, Zakaria said. When there was news that the Russians might be using it, admittedly, against civilians, your then press secretary said this might be, uh, constitute war crimes. What made you change your mind and decide to give them these weapons? Okay, so this is the, the, the liberal progressive up, up with people now going to supply cluster munitions, cluster bombs to Ukrainians. So here's what uh, the part-time president said. The Ukrainians are running out of ammunition, Biden responded. The ammunition that they used to call them 155-millimeter weapons. This is a war relating to munitions, and they are running out of that ammunition, and we're low on it. Uh, what, 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 what was that? We're low on it. And so what I finally did, I took the recommendation of the Defense Department, blah, 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 blah. So there was a lot of pushback, obviously. The President of the United States just tilted one Defense Department card forward so that the other people playing against us, only people like Russia, China at all, uh, would now know that we actually have a shortage of a particular ammunition, 155-millimeter weapons. We have a shortage. That's why we got to give them munitions or, or cluster bombs. So he just throws that out there, the President of the United States. Oh, yeah, we're short on that stuff. Uh, oops. 
And that's where it gets dangerous. It's sad. It's amusing. Sometimes not. But the president in the condition that he is in is just flat out dangerous. More on that when we come back right after this. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Don't you love it when the President of the United States just lets the whole world know we're low on a certain kind of ammunition? <laughs> He's clueless. Literally. It's not. I mean, I laugh. It's kind of funny, but it's not. Biden's remarks led to pushback online from commentators who said that he should not be revealing the type of information to the world during interviews. No, really? Joe Biden broadcasting to the world that the U.S. is low on 155 millimeter shells, Republican strategist Steve Guest tweeted. Moron, does Biden not care that our adversaries in China are listening? Hmm. Uh, no, especially not China because they pay so well. Just spectacular attorney and columnist Kurt Schleicher sarcastically remarked, quote, Biden seems to be saying we're sending cluster bombs to Ukraine because we're running out of other munitions. Democrat presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Treated, tweeted, keep your eye on uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's <clears throat> shaking things up pretty good over there on the left. We'll see what happens. This is so unpredictable what's going on. Vivek uh, is uh, surging a little bit. DeSantis hasn't really taken off. Trump's numbers have gotten stronger. Uh, but will Biden still be the president in 12 months? I mean, this is we're in just total wacko land here. So who knows? This was good. Uh, Bill O'Reilly going after Joe. My model for this column, Bill writes, is the movie A Few Good Men. You may remember the scene where Jack Nicholson playing a Marine colonel is on the witness stand being interrogated by a Navy lawyer played by Tom Cruise. And remember at Nicholson one point, so condescendingly, he said, are we clear? And Cruz says, crystal. Remember that scene? The investigation into the Biden family is vitally important for one main reason. Did President Biden receive money from his son Hunter and his brother Jim? Money that came from China, Ukraine, Romania, and perhaps Russia? Money that was secretly sent through a variety of complicated shell corporations and which Hunter Biden has admitted he failed to declare on his tax returns. The amount of cash involved could be as high as $20 million. If Joe Biden received any part of that hidden money, he would have to resign and could be charged with a variety of tax and conspiracy crimes. Here's what we know to be true about this very troubling situation. And then Bill has some points here. If the Democrats had won the House in 2020, there would be no congressional investigation into Biden. That's for sure. The entire party is deeply invested in protecting the president. Uh, another point. At this point, there is no public evidence that Joe Biden benefited financially from his son and brother's grifting. No mention of any monetary gifts is on Biden's publicly released tax returns. That's true. Point number three. Attorney General Merrick Garland has consistently helped the Bidens in the matter. First, by refusing to order two U.S. attorneys, Matthew Graves in D.C. and Martin Estrada in California, to cooperate with U.S. Attorney David Weiss, right, shutting it down. In addition, it took five long years for Weiss to bring low-level charges against Hunter, to which he pleaded guilty. Garland signed off on the light prosecution despite saying, the, that, uh, saying he wasn't involved, which is nonsense. By the way, the Florida judge hearing the case, Mary Ellen Noriki, may reject the plea deal. This has the Justice Department on edge. Can you imagine if she actually said, uh, no, no plea deal here. And there's more, writes Bill O'Reilly. The wife of Washington District uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney Graves, Fatima Goss Graves, has visited the Biden White House 28 times, according to visitor records. That's extraordinary and an obvious conflict of interest that Merrick Garland apparently allows. Again, there are credible allegations that Hunter Biden secured overseas payments in the District of Columbia. 
Ms. Graves is a far-left activist who runs the National Women's Law Center. For this, she has paid more than $400,000 annually, plus expenses. Fatima Graves has donated money to Joe Biden, Stacey Abrams, and Mandela Barnes. She is powerful inside the Democrat Party. She has not been called to testify under oath before the Congressional Committee investigating the Bidens. Obviously, she should be. Again, this is Bill O'Reilly writing this. Because her husband works closely with Attorney General Garland, there is suspicion that she is acting as a conduit between the Justice Department and the White House and the Hunter matter. Her visits to Pennsylvania Avenue need to be clarified for the American public. Right, 28 times in two years. That's a lot. Finally, the corrupt corporate media in America is not engaged in finding out what happened here. Compare coverage of the Biden family story to the Trump investigations. (laughs) Uh, There is no comparison, Bill. The Justice Department and FBI devoted massive resources to uncovering alleged crimes centered on Donald Trump. The press enthusiastically reported every morsel. Recently, President Biden sat for an interview with NBC News. The questioner was MSNBC's Nicole Wallace. She did not ask one single question about the Hunter Biden investigation. Clear? Crystal. Well done, Bill. Good little bit there. Yeah. I mean, the fix is in. That's D.C. Right. And the Bidens and the Democrats and some Republicans. I really appreciate this one. This was by Maureen Dowd. It's seven grandkids, Mr. President. And they actually printed this in the New York Times, believe it or not. Uh, And she's talking about her sister, who is a big Joe Biden fan. And so Maureen writes, I was surprised recently when I discovered my sister writing a letter to President Biden, a, a plea that she had started in the middle of the night after mulling over the matter for quite a while. The matter being, how many grandkids do you have, Joe? You and you and Jill, wonderful family-centered people. How many? Quote, I watched as you told the nation that you have six grandchildren and you loved each one of them. I believe that. What I cannot believe is what I find unconscionable is that you refuse to admit or accept the fact that there is a beautiful little four-year-old girl living in Arkansas by the name of Navy Joan, who is your seventh grandchild. Peggy wrote about Hunter's high-priced lawyers going down to Arkansas to make sure Navy could not use the Biden name and to slash child support payments. She wrote, she has the Biden blood running through her veins, and all she's going to have as a reminder of this are some of Hunter's original paintings. Sounds like a lousy trade-off, if you ask me, Peggy wrote. Yikes. In his 2021 memoir, Hunter wrote dismissively about Navy's mother, London Roberts, whom he met when he was spiraling into addiction and going to Washington strip clubs. He wrote that the woman, the women he had sexual encounters with during his drug rampages were hardly the dating type. Quote, I had no recollection of our encounter, he said. Yet he put her on the payroll of his consulting firm as a personal assistant while she was pregnant. About three months after Navy was born, Hunter took away Roberts' company health insurance. Nice. Quote, as she grows up, knowing that her father and parental grandparents wanted nothing to do with her, Peggy wrote, she will probably be able to see a video or two showing her half-sister Naomi getting married on the South Lawn and you watching the fireworks on the balcony with little Bo. And if she misses that, there will be plenty of schoolmates to remind her that she wasn't wanted. Kids can be mean that way. She asked why Hunter couldn't act like Tom Brady, who treats his son by Bridget Moynihan, the actress he was dating before he married Giselle, the same as the two children he had with Giselle. Mr. President, many years ago you lost your daughter in a horrendous car accident. I know you still carry that pain with you every day because I've watched your face when you speak about her. Please do not throw away your granddaughter. What a great line. My sister and I often disagree about politics, Maureen writes, Maureen Dowd. But this is not a political issue to us. It's a human one. Joe Biden's mantra has always been that, quote, the absolute most important thing is your family, unquote. 
It is the heart of his political narrative. Empathy, born of family tragedies, has been his stock and trade. Callously scarring Navy's life just as it gets started undercuts that. As Katie Rogers, a Times White House correspondent, wrote in a haunting front page piece last week about Hunter's unwanted child, Biden is so sensitive, quote, that only the president's most senior advisors talk to him about his son. Rogers said that, quote, in strategy meetings in recent years, aides have been told that the Bidens have six, not seven, grandchildren. Jill Biden dedicated her 2020 children's book to the six grandchildren they have left out. Little Navy. While the Navy story reveals what it reveals is how dated and inauthentic the 80-year-old's president's view of family is. Man. The president can't defend Hunter on all his other messes and draw the line at accepting one little girl. You can't punish her for something she had no choice about. The president's cold shoulder and heart is counter to every message he has sent for decades. And it is out of sync with the America he wants to continue to lead. Not to mention the fact that he's a supporter of abortion. We'll be right back. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. We'll talk to our good friend David Fisher in the fourth segment. Little Money Monday update. A lot of stuff going on out there. And and that just, he mentioned this the other day, but this is wild. Federal debt explodes by $1 trillion in five weeks. They added five, uh, in five weeks, a trillion dollars in debt. So we've jumped up to $32.47 trillion. $32.47 trillion. $1 trillion additional in five weeks. Wow. And then the other story that I'm sure we'll talk about uh, with David, he mentioned it uh, the other day. The gold standard is back. BRICS to introduce gold-backed reserve currency. And that's uh, 41 countries going down that road, which is a direct affront to the U.S. dollar. So th- th- those are very serious things going on. So you got to make sure you're paying attention. When you see headlines and stories like that, you should at least take the time to peruse that a little bit so you can kind of understand, see what's happening on the horizon. Okay, so maybe... Maybe the deal is men are just better than women. Men are just better at women. Uh, we can go in and beat them in their own sports. And, and and now we can go in and beat them in their own beauty pageants. Right? So maybe the patriarchy is just the deal. I, I'm amazed at, like, where's the, where are the, where's the feminist outcry at this stuff? It's really wild. Post-truth world, man wins Miss Netherlands. Just stop there. Man wins Miss Netherlands, sparking outrage on Twitter. Uh, Ricky Cole, K-O-L-L-E, Coley. Let's go with that. Ricky Coley, a 22-year-old man, beat out nine women to attain the title of Miss Netherlands on Saturday, sparking outrage on social media as many users said the win uh, showed we are experiencing a trend of erasing women. The Miss Netherlands competition is part of Miss Universe, and Kali will compete in the 72nd Miss Universe pageant in El Salvador later this year. Quote, a man just won Miss Netherlands 2023, Dutch commentator Eva tweeted, considering the fact that we live in a post-truth world, I wasn't even expecting anything else. It's also predictable and unoriginal at this point. Kali, the first transgender identifying Miss Netherlands winner, also participated in the Holland's Next Top Model television show in 2018. He will be the second man to compete in Miss Universe with the first hailing from Spain in 2018. Miss Universe has allowed trans-identifying contestants since 2012. So they were way ahead of the curve. The Miss Netherlands judge judges said Kali, quote, had a strong story with a clear mission. Hmm. Adding that they were convinced that the organization of Miss Netherlands will enjoy working with him, according to translated comments. (laughs) 
I don't know how they're getting away with that, saying we will enjoy working with him. I'd have to look and see if they actually said that. I did it, Kali posted to Instagram. This is the guy that won the Miss Netherlands contest. It's unreal, but I get to call myself Miss Netherland 2023. It was an educational and beautiful journey. My year can't be broken anymore. Making my community proud and showing it can be done. At one point, there was another one uh, that I saw a quote from Ricky. He said, you know, he's worked, worked hard to be a woman. Which would not obviously include at any time in his life, uh, childbirth or menstruating or when he gets a little older, uh, menopause or anything like that. I mean, it, it's just so, I, I, it, isn't it? It should be deeply offensive to women that a guy can come in and pretend to be a woman and actually win. Isn't maybe I'm just not in touch with just how nasty of a person I am. What a uh, transphobe I am, but I'm just, I'm always, I'm always curious about this is why, why there aren't more women and like praise the Lord for somebody like Riley Gaines, who's out there speaking up. And by the way, uh, Clay Travis and the folks that outkick sports just signed her up. She's doing a podcast there. So she's uh, getting a lot of attention. She's very sharp. Uh, she's good at that, and praise the Lord for it. But but where are more women standing up? Uh, here's a few. Here's what happens to you. A teen girl accused of hate speech after protesting transgenders in a YMCA locker room. 17-year-old Rebecca Phillips told the Santee City Council how she encountered a naked transgender person with a penis in the room woman's locker room at the Santee YMCA. I, hey, listen, I... I by the way, note, I, I, I hesitate to, to, to speak frankly like that, but, but you need to understand the truth. And when people share something, uh, to see that word, the P word, uh, that's just an accurate portrayal of what's going on here. Okay. You need, you need to, you need to understand. You can't hide from this stuff. It's like abortion. You, you need to understand what's done. First trimester, second trimester, third trimester. Don't it. Women's health care, reproductive freedom, fetus, all that garbage. You need to know that you're being lied to all the time. So you got to deal with truth here, okay? An Illinois teenager who voiced concerns to her swim coach about biological males identifying as transgender women being allowed in the girls' locker room said she was accused of hate speech. Last April, 16-year-old Abigail Wheeler, a swimmer on the Springfield YMCA spike swim team, entered the girls' locker room to change when she noticed a couple of transgender individuals sitting there, her father told Illinois-based podcast host Gene Ives. The head swim coach told uh, Alex Totora was informed of the situation but told Wheeler there was nothing he could do about it. A few weeks later, parents voiced concerns at the monthly meeting but were told again by the local branches, this is the YMCA, uh, CEO that there was nothing they could do about the biological males in the girls' changing areas. Uh, how about just say no? <clears throat> uh, do, do you have male genitalia? Yes. You cannot come in the girls' bathroom. Period. We have a, uh, we have a bathroom over here that's for anybody, one person at a time. Go there. Uh, no, you can't do that. That's hate speech, right? Request by parents to ask trans individuals to use the private bathrooms and send out an email informing the swim team of the policy were denied. Last month, the organization, YMCA, responded after a local pastor accused the branch of allowing naked men to expose themselves to girls in the girls' locker room. The YMCA denied this account as well, saying it takes the protection of children very seriously. No, you don't. You allow an 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 22-year-old, 35-year-old, 45-year-old man 
male genitalia in the girls' locker room, or there could be girls in there that are 8, 9, 10, 12. You care about children? No, you don't. In the past few days, untrue statements have been circulating around the community about a child at the YMCA being exposed by an adult male. These statements are false. Any report of this nature would have been documented and reported to authorities for investigation, unless they didn't. The YMCA takes the protection of children very seriously, the Springfield YMCA said in a statement. No, you don't. The local YMCA went on to say that they do not discriminate. Now, here you go. They do not discriminate based on gender identity or ideology. They cited Illinois law allowing transgender individuals to use the restroom of their choice, which is a law as a so-called Christian organization. You should uh, disobey. Why? In order to protect children. Right? This isn't. Sometimes when I speak plainly like this, I'm like, is this like, is this hard to understand? No, it's completely logical, simplistic even. That's the amazing thing about it. The YMCA is an inclusive organization, proudly open to all. See, they're willing that this is the hill they want to die on. We welcome all people and do not discriminate based on ability, age, cultural background, ethnicity, faith, sex, gender identity, ideology, income, national origin, race, and sexual orientation. The statement continued. Mm-hmm. You do discriminate based on protecting children, however. Now get this one. Also kind of inside Christianity. Anglican Archbishop declares our father to be problematic due to patriarchal association. File this one under what? During a meeting of major players in the Anglican Church, Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, suggested that the words of the Our Father, Christianity's most prominent prayer, may be problematic because of their patriarchal association. Addressing church members, he acknowledged that the prayer, which Christ in, uh, instructed his 12 apostles to pray in the New Testament, may bother those who have dealt with oppression stemming from their earthly fathers. Cottrell opened, this, that's why you teach, sir. Cottrell opened the general synod with his unique perspective on the 2,000-year-old prayer, saying, I know the word father is problematic for those whose experiences of earthly fathers have been destructive and abusive, and for all of us who have labored rather too much from an oppressively patriarchal grip on life. Reports noted that the archbishop's remarks were, in, were part of a larger speech on unity within the church. Cottrell's Our Father comments sparked debate. Good, as they should. Um, is the archbishop of York saying Jesus was wrong or that Jesus was not pastorally aware? It seems to be emblematic of the approach of some church leaders to take their cues from culture rather than scripture. Boom! Mic drop. Great job. Female member of the General Synod, Reverend, is that how you say that? Reverend Christ, Christina Rees defended Cottrell's stance. After Sudgeon's speech, she told the assembly that Cottrell has put his finger on an issue that's a really live issue for Christians and has been for many years. No, it isn't. Reese added, the big question is, do we really believe that God believes that, that male human beings bear his image more fully and accurately than women? The answer is absolutely not. Who, what decent theologian has ever claimed that men are more, more in line with the Imago Dei than women because they're men? That's just such massive theological, biblical ignorance. It's hard to put it into words. There's the guy, uh, Father uh, Calvin Robinson, who's great. You see him often on Fox News. He's kind of got a cool fro hairdo. He wrote, we call it the Lord's Prayer because it is the prayer the Lord gave us. He taught us to pray it. We call God our Father because that is how he instructed us to address him. He also advised the Archbishop to step down, saying the Archbishop of York appears lost. We should pray for him. And in the meantime, he should step down. He is in no position to lead the church. He is leading the flock astray. Boom. Thank you. Mic drop. Great job, sir. That's what the truth sounds like.
You don't go based on the culture. You go based on God's word. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you, setting aside some of those wacky stories, which is not every day. It's like I could just do that. Like, usually I'm super snarky by Friday, right? Which is why I say that's like snarky Fridays. Uh, but I, it, you could be so snarky every single day because that's just where the world is at right now. So, you know, that that's neither here nor there. Just set it aside. Uh, but we do on a regular basis, besides me struggling with being snarky, uh, talk about things that are that are ongoing that the scripture talks about a lot. And one of the things that the scripture talks the most about, Old and New Testament, is money and possessions. And we all struggle with it in one way or another, whether we're talking about um, coveting and or, or being a workaholic or being a perfectionist or being a materialist or being chintzy and cheap and not being generous. We all have a lot of issues when it comes to money and possessions and the things we pursue and, and what we're willing to do in order to achieve those things. And so money and possessions is a big deal in scripture. Money and possessions is a regular subject here on the show with our good friend David Fisher from Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. As always, David, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, and I got some snarky news that happened on Friday. <laughs> yes, well, that's the world we live in. But before we go to snark, we'll go to the scripture first. Uh, and and this is a if if it, and we're going to be in Amos chapter five. By the way, anybody if you've if you've never uh, taken a uh, a stroll through the book of Amos, uh, you need to. It's very frank. There's a lot in there for us as individuals, but also as a culture and as a nation. Uh, that you have to deal with. And like, there's one aspect of Amos when God's talking about, uh, imagine this for a second, uh, just yesterday when you were in church or this coming Sunday, when you go to church and praise and worship, imagine, just get this picture in your head, God sticking his fingers in his ears and going, la, 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 because he doesn't want to hear our worship because it makes him sick because we're so duplicitous. That's the kind of stuff you'll find in Amos. Anyway, it's great to have you, David. So let's start there. Amos chapter five, verse 24, and then we'll move on. But let justice roll like on excuse me, roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. So Amos, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is saying this is like a river. He didn't say a brook. He didn't say a stream. He said a river. I don't know if anybody's ever swam up against a river, you just can't, okay? So in other words, all the injustice, whether it be financial injustice that we talk about, and there's lots of it as the, far as the eye is being seen, the spiritual injustice, the moral injustice, whatever category of injustice, you know, the dam will eventually break, this river, this stream, pond, all that pressure. A river is gaining against all the injustice, the righteous is never going to fail. The stream is never failing, and that's God's love and his commitment to us and his word to us. And so we just need to be a salt and light of the earth, the, the mouthpiece for him, and tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's right. And, and remember, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're in him through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you're a born-again Christian, uh, you, have, you, you know this is the beauty of one of the beauties of, of Christianity is that uh, all these accounts will be settled. We talk about justice and we get frustrated, whether it's the Bidens or whatever. Uh, there will be ultimate justice. Every single account will be settled. 
every crime will be paid for either by Christ himself on the cross or by the individuals that rejected him and they will pay for it for themselves forever. So remember that justice is ultimately a part of Christianity. So we talked about, thanks for that, David. We talked uh, last week when we we did a full show and, and we were after 4th of July, but talking about the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. And uh, when you look at them and go, hey, it's really doing well. And then you realize that the, it's that's not indicative of every single stock that makes up those composite numbers. So I, I, it looks like there was some uh, some more interesting news, some breaking news on that one. Yeah, somebody must have been listening to your show or others they were talking on. But then there's 100 stocks in the NASDAQ. That's why they call it the NASDAQ 100. And then there's seven stocks they call the Magnificent Seven, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, Tesla, Google, Alphabet, and Meta, uh, Meta, excuse me, and Amazon. Those seven stocks comprise 55% of the index. So in other words, 93 wow. other stocks, it don't matter. Yeah, essentially. They're all changing that now, though. Uh, so what they're going to do on July 14th, they're changing the weighting. Now, I don't know if they're going to put the weighting as what it should be, all stocks equally weighted, but I hope they do that. I'll be surprised if they did, because there's another index that's an equally weighted NASDAQ index. It's called the First Trust NASDAQ 100 Equally Weighted Index. If you follow that, that's only up 18.8%, while the NASDAQ is up 37.5%. Same stocks, just one's equally weighted, huh. one's deceptionally weighted to the point right. of deception of 20%. Wow. Yeah, that that's eye-opening, which is why you have to be educated, which is what we talk about pretty much every week with you, David, is the need for all of us to be educated. So remember that. Just say, hey, the NASDAQ's up. I've got NASDAQ stock. Well, uh, maybe you're in the 93 and not in the 7. So, so you better pay pretty close attention to that. Uh, I, I printed out two stories today uh, when I was doing show prep. One of them said, which you've talked about last week, federal debt explodes by $1 trillion in five weeks since the deal suspending the limit became law. And then the other one I printed out was the gold standard is back. BRICS, B-R-I-C-S, to introduce gold-backed reserve currency. So what's going on with this? Because this is a huge deal. Yeah, I have that art, both those articles. So Russia just announced officially on Friday, this is not BRICS announcing this, this is the number one country of BRICS, Russia saying that, because that's what the R stands for in BRICS, it's official, the currency that's going to be launched in August 22nd through 24th at the National Associate, or the International Association of BRICS in South Africa, it's going to be backed by gold. Now, let me put this into perspective. BRICS came out in 2001. Five countries were part of it. This year, 19 countries were part of it. Last week, 41 countries. This week, 41. You know, last week, 40 companies, countries. This week, 41. And I'm going to speculate many more will be added, especially now that they're backed by gold. There's 40% of the, country, the countries I just listed, the 41 countries, 40% of them, are the world population. So this is going to be a big deal. It probably probably surpass, surpass the population of the United States fairly soon. And this is why we're talking about this, because it is going to cause all kinds of problems for the U.S. dollar. Yeah, and that, that, that comes back to that, world, that word we've used a lot, de-dollarization, which is the whole world moving away from the U.S. dollar as the reserve currency. And when that happens, the, think of Venezuela, that when, when the, our money starts to become less valuable, that's hyperinflation. 
and then you got Venezuela, or you got Weimar Republic in Germany, and, and it's uh, like I was I was just reading, prepping for teaching world history this fall, reading recently about Weimar Republic, and they would say like like your your restaurant when you went in and got they they wouldn't give you a bill until you're ready to leave and pay because inflation could happen so quickly, the prices on the menu could change by the time you were done with your meal. And that's what that, that's what can happen when you get into this world, which is crazy. But but it's it is interesting. Well, will the fact that that's a gold backed currency, David, will that have an impact on gold and silver? Just well, here's some analysts. Naslam uh, Naeem Aslam, he's a chief investment officer of Jose Capitalist Marcus. He said this will provide a long term support for gold. There's others out there. Former Goldman Sachs Jim O'Neill wrote in a paper, BRICS currency is going to challenge the U.S. dollar's dominance, will bring also global stability. Here's another guy who's a technical uh, person who looks at the technical side of gold. He says gold could reach now $2,500 an ounce quickly, then it bounced to 3500 to $5,000. The formation of gold has been uh, making its way for the last 12 years. The upside is phenomenal. Mm. The gold market could see new bullish momentum as the world could see this new type of a gold standard. So it's not going to happen immediately, but it is going to be launched and it will have a very positive effect on gold in the upward movement and a very negative effect for the dollar. It will be the only gold currency that is here in the world globally. This is the biggest news I've ever seen in 29 years, maybe right behind the bail-in news. Yeah, that that's really amazing. So what what is is the is our federal government saying anything? Is the Fed saying anything? Well, ironically, Janet Yellen's in China right now and at the Beijing embassy. She said that that I don't think there's an alternative currency that could possibly displace this for the future for the seeable future. But also let me remind you she was wrong when she was Fed chairman about inflation. Ben Bernanke before her was wrong about a major uh, recession. So if they said otherwise, yeah. then this would be a big problem. And let me put it in simple t- layman's term. The one over the past 12 months has grown from 1% trade to now 5% in 12 months. The euro, it's taken it 20 years to get to 8% of trading. This is a big deal. It's not going to go away. It's going to gather momentum and probably very fast. Do you think that the overall economic condition of America, especially over the next 25 to 50 years when we get up to $200 trillion, do you think that's driving a lot of what's happening with these alternative currencies and the one and now with bricks is is it just people going yeah that that usa ship is eventually going down we need to replace it now well i have a whole bunch of quotes from putin citing all that the answer is yes and we'll go over that next week all right scary stuff if people need to well they need to get educated david what do they do Yes, call the company simply 844-604-2575. Again, 844-604-2575 or landmarkgold.com. Excellent, David. As always, thank you so much, my brother. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, brother. All right, buddy. Take take care. Uh, Wow. These are interesting days. Have they not? Just remember, you weren't born in this time by accident. We're all here for a reason. God's timing. The question is, what is our role in all of this? This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. Like my dad always used to say, ever forward.
another program powered by the Truth Network.